0: what is up welcome back to modern day marketer i am your host brett mcgrath it is friday and you know what that means i have a marketer that is bringing it i'm joined by charlie wyman curious b2b marketing she is talking about speaking and how speaking has become her primary marketing channel. There's a lot I want to dig into. I'm always looking for new speaking opportunities. So I wanted to learn from one of the best, love her non-traditional path to become a marketer and doing what she's doing. Ton of nuggets, a lot you can learn. If you like what we're doing over here, hit the follow, subscribe, all those things. Make sure you tell a damn friend you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. Excited for this conversation. Um we are going to be exploring a topic that I don't think gets discussed enough and that is speaking and speaking opportunities and how they can positively impact your marketing strategy. I'm excited to be joined by today's guest, Charlie Wyman. Um you might know her from Curious B2B Marketing. She does training programs, consulting and coaching. I think the thing, we're all marketers and we all have a brand. I think the thing that a lot of people, and I'm looking at her right now and see letters in the background associate with her is Otter and maybe not necessarily the uh, animal, but the framework. So we're going to be talking about that as well. But without further ado, Charlie, welcome. How are you?
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here, and um, yeah, I'm I'm great. It's sunny in the UK, and uh, yeah, I've just been out for a walk, so I'm feeling full of life.
0: <laughs> you got You got to enjoy those days in the UK when you have them.
1: Definitely, definitely, they are few and far between.
0: <laughs> um, maybe we start here. Uh, I, I think when we had our prep call, just chatting, one of my big takeaways was just kind of like your background and just interesting road to get to where you are today, non-traditional, I would say. And I always like to learn about people who end up in marketing when maybe that wasn't the original path. So so maybe just as a backdrop, give a a brief on kind of your background and how you started up in marketing.
1: It's always funny when people ask me this and they say, keep it brief. And I'm like, oh, um, <laughs> uh. Uh, so in a brief way, I studied uh, electrical electronic engineering and I was sort of funneled into that from university because I'm very uh, logical in my approach. I like systems and process and I'm a complete and utter geek. So engineering seemed like the right approach, but I've always had a a very big interest in behavioral science and psychology. So I decided when I was studying that I was never going to become a very good engineer. So I moved to Sardinia and set up my first business, which was uh, selling olive oil that I'd made out there, but bringing it into the UK. Built a brand from scratch, had no idea what I was doing. Didn't even think that what I was doing was anything to do with marketing. Uh, then started working in public sector because it was I mean it was great business but it was very it was like a side hustle more than anything else worked in innovation and grants funding doing a lot of events and again refused to believe that what I was doing was marketing and then um, somebody who uh, managed one of the projects in my portfolio uh, said oh, right, my husband's company needs somebody to help them with the marketing and you're very good at it uh, will you come and speak to him and work for us and I was like what well, I'm not a marketer don't be don't be daft that's ridiculous but I thought you know what well, I'm my job was being made redundant let's go and chat to him anyway that I was there for six years and I started as a marketing exec literally winging it by the seat of my pants uh not having any idea what I was doing not really working with the plan uh, working with marketing agencies that took advantage of the fact that I had no marketing experience well n- no formal marketing experience but because I, I got I got the tech I got the the customers and I got events I started talking to customers became very good at sales and then yeah within two and a half years I was promoted to the global head of sales and marketing setting up for uh, offices worldwide and um, looking at the overall strategy of the the company uh, so I was there for six years and then I moved on to somehow got a, a role as head of marketing and it was one of those that I didn't meet any of the job criteria but I was like I can do this job (laughs) applied for it got it and I think at that point I was there for about a year and then decided you know what I can do this for for other companies as a consultant do some training for people and just uh, help people that were in the situation I was in avoid a lot of the mistakes that I used to make and help them out so yeah that and that was five years ago when I left that job so uh, is that brief enough
0: (laughs) Uh, all I can say is uh, fake it till you make it is what it sounds like. <laughs> um, I love it. Uh, do you find that you not having like formal training or kind of gone through the traditional steps, do you, do you find that that has it helped you out in a way now? Because it just seems like you know the direction that we talk about on this show and just the marketing landscape in general, it seems like those individuals and those brands that are going kind of against the grain of traditional marketing strategies are the ones that are standing out and they're the ones that are kind of outwinning the hearts and minds because they're doing things a little bit differently.
1: I think it's been a blessing and a curse. I think a lot of the mistakes that I've made and a lot of the money that I've lost over the years I've I've come because I've not had the confidence because I don't have that formal marketing background, but then it's very much a blessing because I can look at things in a more creative way and think, okay, well, instead of following the, the standard frameworks and tools, how can I create something that works for me and works for the business, but that is sort of flexible to move and change. So, and I think as well, like, because I'm very curious. Uh, for me, the difference between companies that are flying, being creative and actually doing amazing things, uh, using their curiosity as a marketing superpower rather than just doing what we should be doing, what marketers are telling us that we should be doing. So yeah, for me, blessing and a curse, but more so a blessing for sure.
0: Well, let's talk about the, um, you mentioned when you're discussing kind of engineering frameworks, process oriented, I think you've kind of built a brand around a framework. And we mentioned this in the intro with just the Otter framework, maybe like share for anyone who doesn't know, like the origin story of it, like in what it is and kind of why, why you think it matters uh, to this conversation.
1: Uh, so Otter came about because I like to solve problems and I made a few mistakes more than once, and I thought, right, okay, so how can I approach this with my engineering background and think, okay, how can I stop this from happening again in the future, and look for trends and patterns as to why those mistakes kept happening, and the O in Otter stands for Objectives. And what I found was that when you have clear objectives that align with the business objectives, then you can push back on other people's priorities in a much more supportive, collaborative way. You're much more focused with your time, your energy and your resources, and that everybody's aligned with with what's going on. And for me, objectives is, is the kind of the foundation. If you don't have those objectives, then everything else is a bit of a free for all. And I've reviewed so many proposals from marketing agencies over the years that don't even mention objectives at all. It's like, yeah, we could do a webinar. Great, well, what would good look like if we did do a webinar or, you know, uh, how would that work? And how is that going to contribute to the overall goals of the business? So objectives was a good one. And then uh, the E in Otter, which stands for expectations, that was another key reason for things going wrong in that my expectations of the people I was working with was you're the marketing expert, you know, and I worked with award-winning agencies. And what they delivered was awful. Pants. Didn't work. And I knew it wouldn't work when I got it to start with. So I was disappointed. They were also disappointed because what they thought, they thought it was wonderful. But they didn't understand the industry or the technology or the customers. So expectations is, is a key part. But then when I knew that those two key pieces um were needed and then I actually started having a look at right okay well what else is needed to build a really good marketing campaign that works because we all know in marketing that something might work for you know a month it might work for a week and then it doesn't work again and you're like what, what on earth is going on but it allows you to make more informed choices and ask yourself questions that help you understand what you need to do to then make it work again or to make something work in the first place and I love a framework. I find when you've got a framework and a process, it just makes everything else so much easier. So yeah, Otter as a whole is objectives, tools, and I believe there are three types of marketing tools which we could go into. <laughs> Training. So looking at where the gaps are in knowledge, skills, experience, and also confidence, which is a big one when we're talking about speaking. Uh, e expectations, and then R actually scheduling time into review and reflect. And that was a big one that came from again from the events background, because I was managing a sales and a marketing team. And then everybody was really busy during the event, when we didn't have objectives, when we did have objectives, everything was much more focused. But then I'd missed out the R piece to start with. So we weren't getting together and scheduling that time to say, right, okay, well, what worked well, what didn't work well, what can we do next time? Where can we get that learning from? So it was that it was an iterative process where I kept adding things, taking things away until I got what I think something that that works, and I I spoke to a client earlier today. Uh, we had a follow up session from a private workshop that I did with her, uh, specific to events, and she just said Otto has literally changed my life because she had the business owners that came to her asking her to do an additional event and do all of these other things, and she walked up with the I've got a worksheet. I walked up with the worksheet and basically said, look, right, okay, well, what are our objectives? What does good look like? And the business owners were like, um. Huh, don't really know. It just seemed like a good idea. So then she's just like, right, well, well we're not going to do it then. And everybody is in, is in alignment. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a great call with her because she's now feeling less overwhelmed, more in control, has a plan. And it just makes me feel good because I'm like, this is exactly why I've why I've done it. And why I'm in this position now?
0: Do you find yourself being known as the otter marketer or the otter girl in, online or in in person? Because I think what's good it makes it makes you as a as a marketer memorable. Is is that something like you you that is received kind of in the market as people look at you and think otter right away?
1: Yeah, I've got clients that literally go on holiday. Prime example today, somebody's tagged me in a post on LinkedIn with a sign that says otters crossing warning, and they've tagged me in the post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I get I get clients that go on holiday and find like little otter gift cards and pictures and they'll, they'll post them out to me. So it's uh, yeah, it's definitely taking off.
0: <laughs> you, you got you got to find opportunities to be memorable, and that certainly stands out. Okay, so we're talking about speaking. Um, We you you met referenced otter and in, in speaking kind of when we were when you were going through your description maybe let's talk about just speaking in general. Like, right, we know that it's a home run situation for us as marketers when we're invited to online digital events, when we get the opportunity to speak in front of a group in real life. Most of the time we, I think, or when we're attendees, we listen to people talk. And a lot of times it's people pitching kind of their product and everyone tunes out. But I think real great marketers understand the opportunity and telling stories and positioning uh, what they're trying to do uh, do or who they're trying to work for in a, in a certain way that resonates with um, the people sitting in the audience. This is super powerful. This is a home run situation. You, when we got to talking, you were sharing about how speaking has kind of become your number one strategy. Maybe share a little bit about just Otter and the speaking opportunities that that you're getting and just how Otter might help support those initiatives.
1: Uh, so with speaking uh, back in my days as an in-house marketer, I always knew the value of uh, speaking, especially if you want to increase your return on investment from events, um, trade shows, and things. I guess one exact one advantage of having the engineering background is that you you rarely get an engineer or a technical person at a trade show pitching. Uh, they're they're just talking about the tech because that's what they find really exciting but then miss out the opportunities to actually turn the audience into leads and actually be able to do something with them afterwards. So I used to like literally uh, cower at the thought of speaking on stage. It used to scare the living daylights out of me. And I used to do everything in my uh, capability to avoid being that person to stand up on stage. So I always got, I was very good at... (laughs) very good at negotiation and convincing people to do things for me. So I got the technical people, the subject matter experts, the CEO, anybody that was more technical or more senior to me to get up and be that speaker. But then five years ago, it was just me. So I had to to figure out a way of of making it happen. So I use Otter in 12-week sprints. And the reason why I do that is because if for anybody that's ever read the 12-week year or been involved in uh, any kind of like Agile or Scrum methodologies – That when you work in sprints, especially 12-week sprints, you can achieve a whole lot more with the focus than if you were to say, I'm going to do it over the course of a year. So when I first got started, for me, it was just using Otter to set myself objectives to become a more confident speaker, to be able to sort of just get over that fear of literally wanting to run to the hills screaming and in in a hot sweat. And it was just more around, right, Okay, so if I'm structured and my objectives were to get, you know, one speaking opportunity a month and just go in it step by step and do it and then look at, right, Okay, well, what tools do I have available to me to get those speaking gigs? Uh, You know, like looking to my network, looking to people that I know, you know, using LinkedIn, using Twitter, things like that, you know, setting up a, a brochure or a page on my website to say that I can speak on these topics. And a lot of that did come later, to be honest once I'd sort of found my feet a little bit. Training, that was a big one because for me, speaking, it wasn't so much that I didn't have the capability to speak because I've always had a lot to say, <laughs> make them as a big surprise. It was more, I didn't have the confidence. That was my biggest uh, drawback. And also I didn't feel like I had the skills in terms of how to structure a talk that didn't overwhelm people and um, they, they could leave with like actionable takeaways and things. So I knew that, okay, these were my gaps. So I could, in that 12-week period, either rope in some help from friends that could help me with that or invest in some training, but specific to those areas that would help me achieve those objectives. Uh, Because I think in the marketing world, we're overwhelmed with training and things that we want to learn. Whereas when you have clear objectives as to what you want to achieve, your training and the time that you're spending on learning and development is much more intentional.
0: I love it. I love just like the thought process and methodology and just like the vulnerability you're sharing and saying like this, I lacked confidence in this. And now this is something that's really driving kind of your brand and your business forward. I think one of the things we struggle with just as marketers in general is we, we we're spectators where we're marketers and, but we spectate and we see all the same people kind of in the same position, speaking online and webinars, doing podcasts like this, going on stage and everyone, it's just like the same cycle of individuals and they're great and they're sharing information and we're all learning from them. But on the other side, we sit back and we say, how, how do we become those individuals? So I since you're someone who's kind of out in market, talking, getting on stage, doing things online, like what kind of feedback do you have for anyone listening on just like getting started? Like how do you even get started with getting gigs?
1: Uh, In terms of getting started on gigs is to really understand basic marketing foundations, which is who do you want to speak to and what do you want to say to them or what could you say to them? And I think for me, when I first got started, I thought, right, okay, I don't really want to be talking about marketing particularly. So I just went out and I said to uh, like networking groups and uh, like my audience on LinkedIn, my audience on Twitter, and sort of said, right, okay, well, actually, when it comes to generating leads, or when it comes to getting sales from your leads, what, what do you struggle with? And then choosing one topic to speak about at a time, and then finding ways to weave in a story related to my experience to that so you're not setting yourself up to say okay cool I'm going to go from nothing to speaking on a massive stage in front of my perfect audience but instead just think okay well I could deliver a webinar to 10 people or I could go to a networking group where there's like 20 people they're not really my target audience but they would be interested in what I've got to say and it gives me a good practice area to sort of start you know trying new things and building up that confidence So I think when you're getting started, it's to think about taking things one step at a time. And, you know, I'm very much the sort of person that I thrive by being thrown in at the deep end. You know, like give me a situation that I've never been in before and tell me to swim, you know, I'll swim. So I found that entering insane competitions, (laughs) um, speaking competitions was um, really helpful to me because it put me under a lot of pressure to be able to perform and to practice. And I think, again, when something stretches you outside of your comfort zone or something that you're not keen on doing, it tends to come to the top of your, I'm avoiding this list. And you tend to sort of like keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Whereas the reason why I use the otter is because you say, right, in a 12 week period, actually, I'm not going to keep putting it off. I'm going to say, I'm going to get three speaking opportunities in the next 12 weeks you look at your expectations, and you just think, right, okay, in order to do that, I need to spend an hour a day on either practicing my craft, speaking to people about speaking opportunities, sending some topics to potential event organizers, uh, people that host webinars and things like that as well. And just put yourself out there, you know, uh, tell people that you're interested. And it is, it's amazing what happens when you do.
0: Totally. I I love what you said about the like start small, like it can be in front of 10 people, like it doesn't need to be like a big grand event. Like I just when you were talking about that, I think about like just like comedians, like, you know, before Kevin Hart is doing the Netflix special, he's probably going around to actually I know he's going around to small comedy clubs and practicing his jokes and trying to get his punchlines down. So um, I think that's really good feedback. You mentioned this is something that I wish more marketers would talk about, but you mentioned stories and just like people remember stories. Talk a little bit about how you like inject storytelling in your whenever you you get that speaking opportunity. Like, how are you thinking about telling stories when you're in front of an audience?
1: It's a really good point. And especially in the B2B space and especially in tech, I think there's a big reluctance to add personality to uh, marketing, whether it's content, it's speaking, it's whatever. Whereas for me, because I've got the background in sales and marketing, it was very much around the. if I look back and think about the biggest deals I've ever closed, um, the best leads that I've ever generated, um, the best sales demos, the best conversations at events, they've never been about the the product, the business, the service to start with. It's always been around things like you know I wear a Garmin Phoenix watch because I'm I do a lot of sports, so I tend to speak to people that wear a similar watch. It's looking for signs and signals from other people, and we you know talking about things that you're familiar with or that's relatable. So I used to make a list of all of those things. Uh, so for me, it's things like rowing, cycling, Grand Prix <laughs> sports, uh, things like that. And then think, right, OK, how can I use a story that I've experienced to, to highlight or emphasize a point that I'm trying to make? So one of the things that I do when I talk about objectives is that I used to be a rowing coach and I used to compete as a rower as well years ago. And when I was a rower, you, you it's the same as in, in marketing. It's that like in order to be a rower and to win lots of races, You need to work on your strength, your fitness, your technique when you're in the boat, your mindset, your nutrition, your flexibility, and it's impossible to work on all of those things at the same time. So you need to be structured with how you're spending your time based on the thing that you need to work on the most. Same with marketing. You know, you can't work on being on TikTok and LinkedIn, on Twitter, doing blogs, doing SEO and doing all of these things yourself. It's impossible. But when you choose the right thing to focus on that helps you achieve that objective, Cause in the rowing world, in the winter, you do strength training. It's all about endurance. It's all about really building that engine so that in the summer you can win sprint races. Uh, so it's yeah. Structuring your time accordingly. So I use the stories based on what I did as a rower, what I did when I was coaching rowing to highlight these points. And I find that in the audience and people come and say to me afterwards as well, it's like, Oh, I, it makes sense. Now I get it.
0: I love it. Take, if you're out there listening, take a note of that. I, Fully support that, and the ability to use stories to emphasize points you're trying to make that are marketing or business related in general typically works, and it resonates and allows the person who's consuming the content, listening, watching, reading, it it draws a stronger connection. So i I definitely wanted to get your feedback on that. Maybe talk a little bit about you know when you're getting up and you're getting ready for a speaking opportunity. Like, what's your mindset? Like, what do you look I know you're very framework oriented, obviously, but like, what are you looking to accomplish when you have this stage? Like what's going on in your head?
1: The biggest thing is being in a position where I'm not mumbling and I'm not overcome by the fear and the nerves uh, because I still, even today, get quite nervous before a talk. And it's funny because when I talk to people about speaking, they don't believe me when I say that like five years ago, I would never have dreamed of doing this. And it was a real big challenge for me which is why I wrote the article on LinkedIn about how to get started. And I think somebody as a performance coach, a friend of mine said to me um, before a competition entry that I did where I had to stand and speak in front of 700 people. And I was like literally having a major meltdown beforehand. I didn't enjoy the event at all. I hated it. I was literally a, a nervous wreck. And she said that actually the feeling of excitement and nervousness is the same feeling we just have to tell our brains that we're yes. excited and we're not nervous and just you just reframe it so that we can kind of get up and, and be more you know, present and be more like excited. And the other thing for me as well is because I speak very quickly when I'm nervous, thing, I speak a lot, lot mm-hmm. faster, if you can believe it. So it's just about like breathing, um, slowing down my my mind so that I can articulate things a little bit better because the structure in terms of what I want to achieve from that talk is all taken care of before I've even got there in terms of what I want to say, what I want the audience to do once they've heard what I speak, how I'm going to follow up with them afterwards. And again, it's that like, how do I convert their curiosity because they're investing their time in listening to what I've got to say how do I convert that curiosity into action that helps me keep in touch with them to either help them overcome something just through the free channels that I that I offer, or convert them into a customer at some point?
0: Very pragmatic in nature. Um, what so you? You mentioned trying to hit the curiosity, obviously, like probably home run scenario would be someone sends you a LinkedIn message, or maybe even after you get off the stage, talks to you in person says, Hey, we have a problem that you talked about. Then you have a conversation, you all, all of a sudden have a new customer. I think it's, it's hard sometimes for marketers to measure kind of some of these offline activities into like results. Like what do you do? How do you measure your results? How do you measure each opportunity and track its success?
1: For me, it's super simple because at the end of every talk, I offer a free guide uh, that's something really, really useful that um, I have a QR code or a link. People go to my website, they sign up for it, then they're part of my email list, and then they get like regular newsletters and, you know, sort of like lots of free tips and advice to help them with things. I also connect, uh, well, if I've got a delegate list or if I'm there, I encourage them to connect with me on LinkedIn or on Twitter, and then I keep that conversation going. So for me, it's my main measure, which is really easy to do, is how many leads have I generated or how many people have I added to my email list as a result of that talk? How many direct inquiries do I get once I've you know left the stage? And then people will typically come and ask me questions afterwards or they'll ring me a couple of days later. So then I just attribute that because they will say, oh, I saw you at this event. Mm. You know, I want to have this conversation with you. So I can be very clear about like what those leads are, where they've come from. And then I can track them through track them through the life of their interaction with me. Uh, some people who I've done business with in the last two years saw me speak five years ago when I was like literally at the start of my journey and a bumbling mess. You know, they, they've just followed my journey, and you know, it's just people will buy when they're ready to buy, not when you're ready to sell to them. So,
0: I yeah. want to talk. I want to talk about that because uh, you took. The next question out of my mouth where it sounds like with you and the way you present yourself and how you, when you're speaking and what you're looking to accomplish, like you mentioned the QR code example, it's like, you've got everyone's attention. That's an opportunity where you've built trust and your mindset isn't like, let me go try to like call down this list and sell everyone in the room your mindset is, let me just get them into my education platform and all the channels where I share stuff and continue to nurture them along the way. And then eventually when that individual who's sitting in the second row runs into a problem at their place of work, it triggers Charlie. Charlie was talking about that. Oh yeah, I get her emails. Let me go talk to Charlie. So In a way, it's coming from a place of abundance, knowing that what you're delivering is going to resonate in people's minds. But at the end of the day, like you kind of have to wait, not saying like don't reach out or don't have some sort of sales outreach, but like more times than not, like focus on the continued education as opposed to like the transactional mindset of like, let me call down all these people who just listen to me talk.
1: Yeah, it's like marketing, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And it is all about building trust and building those relationships. I think if marketing is really difficult, especially if you're doing it yourself, whether you're a one person marketing team or you're a business owner doing your own marketing. If you need, as in need revenue from marketing, then you're going to be marketing from the wrong place with the wrong attitude because you're going to be expecting everything right away. Whereas you need more of a sales driven approach so that you can get some revenue into the business so that you're not stressing out and needing something from that marketing activity right away. So I think that's where like I talk to a lot of businesses and say, you know what, actually, you don't need to invest loads of money in marketing right now. What you need is a sales approach to get your first few customers, make those sales, understand what like why they're buying what they're going to do with the product or service once you've sold it. And you're understanding the language that they're speaking in because the, the other measure of success from speaking as well is to capture the questions that I get asked in the room. And then that fuels the future marketing content that I create, because the the other thing that I say a lot is the best marketing content comes from the mouths of your customers. And if you don't listen to your customers You don't understand what language they use, the tone of voice that they use, how they're describing their problems, how they're talking about their goals and their vision. And you're marketing from a place of assumption and hope, which, again, I think because I'm quite logical and binary in in my thinking, that's just too risky. So I I do like to have an element of predictability and repeatability in what it is that I'm doing, which is why I work with systems and process. But the systems and processes, they have enough flexibility for you to be creative and for you to sort of like really think outside the box. And I was like, it's actually a friend of mine that has this term called dabble time. So I schedule time in my diary to experiment with new tools, new softwares, new platforms, new ideas, but I'm not under pressure to say, okay, this has to work, you know, because I have a system, the system works. I'm just adding to it or I'm just tweaking something or changing something. And then you can, like you said, uh, you've got an attitude of abundance. And when you have that attitude, magical things happen. So, so yeah.
0: (laughs) So, so many good nuggets in this one. I love it. Let's close it out. This has been so much fun. I've learned a ton. I hope everyone on the other side uh, has learned something too. Let's Close it out with just some advice like you've been through the process. You've described like starting from nothing to kind of working your way up to speaking, being kind of a primary channel for your marketing right now. What advice would you have for any marketers out there who might not be starting speaking right now, but are interested and want to get started?
1: Focus on progress, not perfection. Because if you don't get like was it the, the term, it's like the best time to start was 20 years ago or today you know, stop thinking about what you should have done or what you could have done in the past. Just think about what you can do, what you get to do, speak from the heart. So like, what are you interested in? What do you want to speak about? And also most importantly, why? What are those next steps? Always think about if you go and speak, what are those next steps that you want your audience to take? And if it is, you know, when you first get started, it could just be the next step is that you give them one actionable thing that they can improve with their marketing. And as marketers, you've got a captive audience because everybody needs help with marketing. So there are loads of opportunities available. Just take that. The first step is always the hardest. Take that first step, you know, book that first speaking gig. You know, it's never going to be as bad as you think it is. And that treat feedback like a gift.
0: I love it. Ton of knowledge in this one. Charlie, I know you're on LinkedIn, Twitter. Where? What do you want to promote? It is a marketing podcast. Where can people go to learn more about Uh, what you're doing and up to? Uh,
1: So I've I've only really touched upon the otter, but if you'd like to dive into the otter in a little bit more detail, then I have a a free webinar that I run. So if you go to my website, curiousb2bmarketing.com, there is a menu item that says free webinar. Just go to that and you can watch the webinar.
0: Thank you so much. I learned a ton. We will have to have you back on to talk about more marketing related topics. This was a ton of fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Charlie. Thank you for having me. That was one where you need to take the notepad out. Listen to it again. She dropped so many gold nuggets. I think if you're interested in getting going with speaking opportunities, there's a lot of knowledge and insight there. I appreciated Charlie's perspective. I'm going to have to get her back on because I know there's some other things we can talk about. How about that Otter Framework? So much good stuff in there. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back more Modern Day Marketer next week. Peace out.